Jesus comes to the end of his instructions to the disciples. He has told them that being his followers will not always be easy. Some of them will face persecution. But there are rewards for those who welcome those who come in his name. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said, Whoever welcomes you welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Stanley Hauerwas, a provocative theologian at Duke University, tells the story of growing up and first hearing the story of Abraham and the sacrifice of Isaac. He was a very little boy and he burst into tears. And his mom said to him, don't worry, don't worry, Isaac is saved. The angel comes and tells Abraham not to sacrifice Isaac. And young Stanley said, yeah, Mom, but what if that angel had arrived too late? And so I invite you to enter with me into a reflection if things had gone differently. Imagine that we are Abraham, that we are told by the same Lord who had promised us that we would have our son Isaac. It was such joyful news that both Abraham and Sarah laughed, both being well over a hundred years old. And yet, the Lord had asked Abraham to sacrifice his only son. He had already sealed the covenant with the Lord through sacrifices of bulls and sheep. You remember that he had set them out and divided them in half and the flaming torch of the Lord had passed in between them, indicating that the covenant had been accepted. Abraham must have scratched his head. Why another sacrifice? Why the son that the Lord had given me. And yet, Abraham did, as Jacob, or rather, as Job had said, the Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. 
Blessed be the name of the Lord. So Abraham and Isaac trudge up that mountain. They have the fire. They have the wood for burning the sacrifice. Abraham's heart is heavy. His stomach is turning. He's already grieving. And when Isaac says, Dad, we have the wood and we have the fire, where is the lamb? The words, the Lord will provide the lamb, take on heavier, deeper meaning. This time he builds the stone altar on top of the mountain with a deeply divided heart. After all, the gods that Abraham had rejected, Baal, Ashtaroth, Zoroaster, the gods of the land of Canaan that was given to Abraham by the Lord who gave him Isaac, those gods required human sacrifice. The firstborn son was the Lord any different? Did he choose poorly? How is it that this Lord would give him Isaac, give him joy and laughter, and then demand that Isaac be taken away? This time, when Isaac is on the altar, the angel doesn't come. This time, the ram is not sacrificed instead. This time, Abraham, with tears in his eyes, will lose Isaac. And with a confused and frankly bitter heart, is going to sacrifice his son and light the flame and offer the prayers to the Lord who doesn't seem any better, any more moral, any more caring, frankly, as brutal as Baal, Ashtaroth, Zoroaster. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. This time it's harder to say, blessed be the name of the Lord. The words stick in Abraham's throat. Trudging down the mountain in grief. He's not alone. He did take two companions, two servants. How do I face Sarah? Sarah, who laughed in joy when the three strangers that Abraham ran out to welcome told him and Sarah that they would have a baby, Isaac, in a year. The pain, the struggle that Sarah went through delivering at 100 years old, Isaac. And then to say the Lord demanded Isaac as sacrifice. Again, difficult impossible for Abraham to say blessed be the name of the Lord he decided he couldn't face her 
he came down the mountain in silence and stayed away. He stayed away from his wife. There really is nothing to say. Their dwelling seemed empty, silent, eerie. There was nothing there but absence this time and guilt. Tremendous guilt that Abraham felt, thinking perhaps I misunderstood the Lord and lapsed back into paganism. How can I worship this Lord who gives and takes away? I can't say, blessed be the name of the Lord. And as Abraham on his pile of cinders, in his ashes with rent clothing like Job, grieves the loss of his son. He realizes he's grieving not only the loss of his son, his own innocence, his own naivete, perhaps his faith in the Lord who gave him Isaac and demanded Isaac as sacrifice. But more than this, he's grieving a future. He's grieving children and grandchildren that Isaac would have given him. He's grieving the great nation that would have been built up from Isaac's children and their children. He's grieving a glorious future of faith and stalwartness that he would have had from the God who gave him Isaac. Perhaps as he's grieving, he even considers others who have lost their children. David, grieving the loss of Absalom. Job, grieving the loss of his family. And grief sweeps up in Abraham as he is given a vision of each of us who grieve those we have lost who were gifts to us from God. As the Franktons are mourning Brian and Bob, as we mourn our parents, perhaps our brothers and sisters, perhaps our children, as we grieve those lost in war, migrants, as we grieve those lost in school shootings or due to disease, famine, starvation. As we grieve those who have been lost, perhaps Abraham entered deeply into that vision along with us, a sense of darkness, despair. Who was this bloodthirsty God? who demanded that we give up those gifts of love, those people who surrounded us, in order to satisfy some bloodthirsty sacrifice lust. I imagine that was a very difficult evening for Abraham, tossing and turning, trying to sleep, remembering only cuddling, remembering only the joy he had not knowing how to face Sarah. And like Job, he probably wished he would find some comfort on his ash heap. 
Job had three comforters. Who's going to come to Abraham and comfort him? But, just like there was the three visitors who had visited Abraham and had promised Abraham and Sarah that they would have a child by the time they returned the next year, I also imagine a visitor coming to comfort Abraham. This time, one visitor, a single person. But this time, Abraham doesn't have the strength or the desire to run out and greet them. Instead, Abraham remains on his ash heap in grief as the visitor comes forward to him. Abraham looks up, and the words of comfort the visitor says to Abraham are, Look at my hands and my side. I am your son, Isaac. Return to you. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.